Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. And I'd ask that you turn to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. Please turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're going to land there, and then we're going to move from there. There is an edge on which each one of us stands. There is an edge on which each one of us, each one of you, stands today. The edge where fear and courage collide. The edge where the past pulls, the present lulls, and the future calls. There is an edge on which each one of us stands today. The choices are quite clear. Familiarity or the unknown. What you've experienced and what you understand versus the unseen and the uncertain. The choices are quite clear. There is an edge on which each one of us stands today. Numbers, chapter 13. We're going to do a little skipping, okay? Not that I want to ignore all the in-between, okay? We're going to do a little skipping. Chapter 13, I'll let you know when we're skipping. Verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to Israel or to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out to the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of, all, of the Israelites. We're going to jump to verse 16. There's a bunch of names in the middle that I cannot pronounce. But we'll come back to those names in a little bit. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hashea, son of Nun. See, I told you I couldn't pronounce it. Son of Nun, the name Joshua, probably because Moses couldn't pronounce it. All right. We're going to jump down to verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rehob, toward Lebo Hamath. Jump down to 26. 
you just know that they explained it. They explored the land, north to south, east to west. When they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb, a name that's listed in the list that I skipped. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a report about the land that they had explored. They said, listen to the gossip. Listen to the gossip. They said, the land we explored devours the living th- those living in it. And all the people saw, they are, they are a great size. We saw the Nephilim. Again, another word I don't know how to pronounce. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Chapter 14. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept. They wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If we had only died in Egypt or in this desert, Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. In case you're not aware, Egypt is oppression. Egypt is slavery. Egypt is captivity. Egypt is work without wages. They want to go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun. Caleb, son of that guy. Who were among those who had explored the land tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. They wanted to forfeit what was good for them to go back to oppression and slavery. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land and the land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. 
Heavenly Father, in this moment, I ask that you speak very clearly to the soul, to the heart, to the mind of each individual in this room. You know very well that each one of us stands on an edge. And you're calling us beyond that edge. You're calling us to something exceedingly good. I ask this in your name. Amen. This is a moment, mere weeks, after God delivered his people from the Egyptian people through the ten plagues. If you ever are around during Easter and you watch TV, you'll see Charlton Heston as Moses, and that's what the movie's about, the delivery of the Israelites from captivity. That just happened mere weeks before this moment. Moses sent 12, one from each tribe of, the, of Israel, to go out and spy the land for 40 days and 40 nights. Twelve went, they explored north to south, east to west. They were given very clear instructions about what to do and what to find and what to look for in that land to come back and report that. One clear instruction was, bring back some fruit so we can see it. We want to taste it. We want to touch it. We want to know what's ahead of us. And twelve went out and they came back and they brought a report. And they brought the fruit. Isn't it interesting to you how two people can experience this very same thing but have two completely different responses and reactions to it? All 12 walked the land. All 12 saw the people. All 12 tasted the fruit. All 12 came back with a report. But not all 12 had the same report. Ten. Ten came back with a mindset that was a defeating mindset. They're too big. They're too huge. The land swallows up its people. Yeah, it's a land flowing of milk and honey, but we can't take them. They'll swallow us up because we're like grasshoppers. But two. Two, Caleb and Joshua. They have a different viewpoint. They have a different mindset. They have a different understanding of exactly what they saw. If you don't know the history here, it starts in Genesis with this guy by the name of Abraham. God promised Abraham the land. It's called the promised land because God promised that land to Abraham and his descendants. This was a promise that was unfurling for, for centuries. And here, the Hebrew people are literally standing on the edge. There's an edge on which each one of us stands today. This story and the story that we'll get to here soon in Joshua chapter 1, it reminds me of the epic, the 80s epic, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. 
Indy's dad, Dr. Jones Sr., lies on a floor from a Nazi bullet to the belly. Jones Sr. has been searching for this holy grail his entire life, putting all his knowledge in a book. And in that moment, the Nazi bullet tries to expedite the process for Indy because that holy grail supposedly hewn by the hands of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And with that cup, if you drink from that cup, you have eternal life. And so, if Indy can get to the cup, he can save his father. All the Nazis want is the cup because they want the power. And so, Indy faces three challenges. The first the second and the third, each one more dangerous than the last, each one more courageous than the last. The first, I don't know if you're playing the movie in your mind, I can see it. The penitent man will pass, the penitent man will pass, the penitent man will pass. What does that mean? Well, if you're bold, if, you're, if your ego gets the best of you, you stand bold with broad shoulders. Lying at his feet are decapitated heads. The penitent man goes and kneels before God. And so he kneels and rolls. Challenge one, defeated. He comes to the second challenge. It's a puzzle for his feet. And he stands before a bunch of letters. The word of God. The word of God. Now, if you don't know, in John chapter 1, we learn that the Word of God is actually Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and He was with God in the beginning. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And He's replaying everything. He makes a misstep. In Latin, Jehovah starts with an I. So He pulls Himself back up. And he defeats the second puzzle. And then comes the third challenge. He comes to a place where he's on the edge. The camera pans down and you can see the bottom of his boots on the edge of the rock. And with a book, he's just clutching his chest. This is where you take the leap of faith from the lion's mouth. But there's nothing to step to. What do you do? All of us. There's an edge on which each one of us stands today. You might be clutching your chest. You might be wondering, you know what? If I step out, does God have enough? Does God have enough to come through for me in this moment? I'd like for you to reframe that for a second. Because we often think it's all about the provision. It's all about the resource. But when you're standing on the edge, it's all about God himself. He is enough in the moment. You know, we like to control things, don't we? 
That's our typical response when we're standing on the edge and we really don't know what to do with our past pulling us behind us. With everybody shouting at us, you can't, you can't do this, you can't move forward. We just want to control it. Or do nothing. They're both a choice. But they're the wrong choice. There's an edge in which you stand today that you, God's calling you to step out beyond that edge. It is an edge that has uncertainty. There's an unknown. And you don't know what's ahead of you. Clutch your chest and take the step. So, the Israelites, they're standing on the edge of what God has promised them. There's a blessing to be had, but there's also a battle for that blessing. Because anytime you step out beyond that edge, you're going to go to war. You're going to go to war. It's funny how a lot of us want things, yet we won't. We don't want to battle for them. We don't want to fight for them. We think it'll be good for us. We don't, we don't want to walk through the difficulty. And so, the report spreads. Ten of those spies completely demolished the mindset of the whole community. Yet two, Joshua and Caleb, stand before them. We can take this land. This is what God has promised us. We can fight, and we will overcome. Many of us are convinced in the face of impossibility that we will be swallowed by that impossibility that it cannot be mounted, it cannot be trekked, and that we're too weak to make the journey. That we don't have the mindset to move through, and we don't have the faith to hold on to. But as we see Joshua and Caleb, they firmly believe that God is who he says he is. They firmly believe what God said to Moses. Exodus 14. The Lord was already battling before them. He is the God that goes before us. And he is the God that comes behind us. And he is the God that goes with us. See, it's actually in the impossibilities, in the face of impossibilities, that God does his greatest work. But it takes the individual to see that this is where God can do his greatest work. Back to the control. We want to do it ourselves. We want our hands all in. He's just telling you to walk. 
step out today. Move forward. So, there's an edge on which each one of us stands. It is where your willingness, your flexibility, your adaptability, and your agility, your understanding of who God is and says he is, that's when the impossible and the impossible becomes possible. We like to preserve our life, don't we? We like to preserve and be in comfort and convenience and to remain the same. But there's a life that's beyond the edge that can only be lived if you begin to stop protecting the life that you're living right now. So, what happens? If you continue to read full, for, uh, further in, in Numbers chapter 14, the Lord says, this is what you're choosing. You're good. You can choose it. Come on in. Welcome back. Yay, they're back. It's great. See, God is a God who is fully love and fully holy. And in this moment, they have a choice. They can choose a future. That is their hope. That is the hope and future that God has for them. Or they can rest on their laurels. They can rest in the convenience. They can rest in the comfort. What I find about God is that he's so loving that he'll allow you to choose the less than. He will allow you to choose what isn't his best for you. Parents, you know this. Grandmas, grandpas, you know this. That your teenagers or your kids who are adult teenagers, that's me, that you love them enough to guide them and grant them wisdom that all the years in which you've raised them, but there are those moments where you see that they're going to make a choice that is far beyond their best and what is best for them. Yet you love them enough to let them make the choice, right? How many parents in this room have ever done that with their kids? Please raise your hand. Ripped your heart out, didn't it? That <laughs> cost you a fortune. Woo! For those of you with newborns and little ones, the time will come where you will love them so much and that you will have raised them and imparted as much wisdom as you have in your heart and in your mind. But they will make a decision that is less than their best. That's God. He loves you enough to allow you to make the choice that you want to make. But unfortunately, there are moments when you make those choices and you end up in places that you're not meant to be. Today, if you look at your life and you gauge your life, have you been making choices he's allowed you to make? 
and you're in a place that you don't want to be. This is not where you wanted to end up. That's a choice where you're walking back off that edge. You were on the edge of something epic, something colossal, something great, something good, exceedingly good, yet you step back from that edge. So what did God do? If you read the rest of the story, they wander for 40 years. They spent 40 days spying out that land. They could have taken that land in about 20 to 30 years. About the time that they spent wandering in the wilderness. Sometimes that's what our choices make us feel like. We're just wandering, lost, knowing that we've chosen less than God's best for us. However, and this is where it gets good, if you just jump over to Joshua chapter 1, Jump over to Joshua chapter 1. The edge returns. I want you to know today that if you have been where those boots of Indiana have been, and you said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm stepping back from it. I know that God has better for me, but I'm just going to go back and I'm going to go the old way and I'm going to stay and steeped in my sin. I'm going to stay in the addiction. I'm going to stay in the relationship that is not healthy for me. I'm going to choose sexual pleasure over purity. I'm just going to, I'm going to fade into the background. Let me just tell you, you can come back to that edge. And you can make a different decision. Joshua chapter 1. Would you read with me? Joshua chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Wait a second. 40 years ago, Moses was leading the people. Now, he's dead. He's gone. And look what happens. The Lord said to Joshua, son to Nun, son of Nun, Moses' aid. You remember that one guy who went to explore the land along with Caleb? Two of those 12, the two that gave the report that said, hey, we can take this land. Guess what? That whole generation that went before that, that wandered the wilderness, they weren't on the edge anymore. But it was Joshua and Caleb in this moment. The only two left from that entire generation are now standing on the edge. Watch what God says. Moses, my servant is dead. As if Joshua didn't know that. He knew that. But just in case we didn't know it. It's a pretty ominous moment. And then he said, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. And notice what he says. This is my favorite verse in this whole section. It's not be strong and courageous. No, 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 no. It's this. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Back to Indy for a second. He's there with a book in his hand. He's clutching his chest, his hairy, disgusting chest. 
right? I know. It's the shot, okay? I didn't make the movie. And what's he do? He raises the foot. He has nothing to step out on. And he steps. And what's before him is something he can't see with his own eyes, but he's experiencing firsthand. He realizes that he's stepped off the edge. There's an edge on which each of us stand today. It's the place where fear and courage collide. It's the place where the choices are very clear. There's the familiar. There's the known. There's the things we understand. And then there's uncertainty. There's those things you don't know that God wants you to experience firsthand. Here's the thing. It's very clear to me in the scriptures. When you start reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, He doesn't live on the edge. Jesus is beyond the edge. He's beyond what we know. If that weren't the case, then how can he walk on water? If that weren't the case, then how can he raise the dead? If that weren't the case, how can he see into the human heart and the human mind? If that weren't the case, how can he heal the leper with a touch? Jesus is beyond the edge. He's beyond what you know and what you understand. And if you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you're still standing on that edge, why? Why? Just take a step. What are you waiting for? It's beyond the edge where Jesus Christ sits, stands. He's looking for you. Thing is, he's still going. Today, it's your choice. If it weren't the case, he wouldn't have taken the cross for you. He wouldn't have died so that you can have eternal life. He wouldn't have died so you'd be free from the sin that you've been in. And he wouldn't have resurrected. Jesus is beyond the edge. Today's the day in which you need to step out beyond the edge and see the unseen and the invisible. And they will become reality. Do you mind just bowing your heads for just for a second? If you can just imagine your feet. Your feet. On the edge, on the precipice. 
looking over, seeing nothing. But now look ahead, and there's Christ calling you forward. I'm going to ask today that you cross that line. Cross that line of faith. Cross that line from the things that you know to the things of the unknown. Things that you can't Google. You can't find anywhere else except in Jesus Christ. Freedom, peace, wisdom, deliverance, forgiveness, cleansing, holiness, purity. All that he offers you. Today I ask that you cross that line of faith today, that you take that step off the edge. Would you do that with me? We can do it together. I'd ask that you just simply pray with me. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but it's the sincerity of your heart. Would you just pray with me? You can repeat after me. That's fine. Jesus, I give you my life. You are the son of the living God. You are Savior of the human heart. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sin. And man, you rose from the dead. Jesus, forgive me. And so I give you my life. I'm all in. I'm all in. I give you my life that you may give me your life. Amen. If you, if you pray that for the very, very first time, all heads up now, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'd ask that you raise your hand and let me know. Yeah, that's right. Praise the Lord. Good. Good. Praise God. Now I'm going to pray for the rest of us because you ain't getting out of this God for either. Right? Jesus, all of us are standing on an edge and we know it. There's something inside of us that calls beyond where we are. Oh, it's you. You're calling us forward. You're calling us to a future and a hope. The plans that you have for us. You're calling us to yourself. Help us jump. Not just step. Help us jump. We're all in. Whatever it is, whatever you've called us to, whatever command that is resonating in our spirit, if it's forgiveness of someone else in our life, if it's reconciling a relationship, if it's a friendship, if it's pulling back from a relationship, if it's severing ties with that person, if it's, if it's stepping out in faith for the, for the first time in a long time, or whatever it may be, give us strength and boldness to step out. Today's the day. May we be a church, a group of people who will battle for the blessing 
and reach out for what you have for us. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Now, I'm proud of you. Proud of all of you. I don't know what steps you're going to take. But whatever they may be, if you do, can you let me know? Because I want to pray for you. Thanks, Chloe. With that said, um, there's a few things that I, I, I want to bring to your attention. And so, yeah. Um, since October of 2017, um, we've been entrusted with Matthew Kirkpatrick, Chris Kirkpatrick and the kids. In fact, um, when they showed up, it was only three of them. Dino, Chris, and Matthew. Ollie was born here. Quinn was born here. Became a part of this family. Many of you have experienced the heart that Matthew brought to everything he did. In fact, he, he loved our teens and their families as well. He did some tedious technological stuff that I have no idea what to do with. He engaged in our community. He was a deep friend to me when I lost my mama. He's been a great team member. Chris, Chris has stepped out into her call and her career here. She's been bold. She's raised three kids when Matthew was on deployment. She led, along with Laura, tapestry. This is just the tip of the iceberg that Matthew brought to this congregation. And ultimately, Matthew exemplified Jesus Christ many, many times over with his life. It is with great excitement, and I mean great excitement, and a heavy heart that I announce to you today that Matthew has been extended the offer to be senior pastor at Zanesville Northside Church of the Nazarene, which he has received just this past Monday. So, yes. When, when, when I hired him, I knew it was only a matter of time that he would eventually be leading his own congregation in a community somewhere. And so, uh, for those of you that are curious, why isn't he here? Well, two reasons. Well, one, he is fulfilling an obligation to the National Guard. Today is his drill weekend. He had to shift it and shape it because he was at fall retreat with our teenagers on Friday and Saturday. And the other reason is because this is moving very quickly. One, he had received the extension on Monday and accepted that extension. And so he will begin his first Sunday where he will be senior pastor at Zanesville Northside will be December 3rd. So our time is, is running short, right? He will bring that first message that Sunday. 
I want to let you know that he will be here next Sunday, right in the pulpit, and bring in the message. And he's going to clarify a few things about his journey. I firmly believe that God moved on his heart while he was in the sandbox in the Middle East. He definitely expanded his capacity of leadership. And uh, God was moving in his life that he started to step out. He was on the edge. Oh, yeah, kind of like us, right? And so next Sunday, he'll bring the message. On the very last Sunday of November, uh, he and I are going to have a conversation up here during the, the message time. Conversation, reflecting, on, reflecting back on the six years, but we're also going to tease out what God was doing in his life and in his heart while he was in the sandbox and how he chose to step into that and all the lessons that we can tease out of that. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage all of us to love him deeply in the next several weeks, as well as Chris and the kids. Um, I am personally excited about the endeavor that he and Chris are about to step in. If you don't know anything about Wapaknaz, there are several philosophies of ministry that we adhere to that kind of are our foundation. And one of those is that this is a developing ground where we want to develop people so that that untapped potential that's within them, that God releases and unleashes wherever they are. And I believe that his six years here was a part of that developing. And now there's an unlocking that's happening in his life. We are a development church. We disciple, we equip, we unleash, which equals an unstoppable movement of God through his people in their communities. Matthew and his family are going to impact the north side of Zanesville, Ohio. So, what does that mean? Matthew and Chris are not leaving. They're being sent. Does that make sense? God is sending them to Zanesville. And second, we send them. They're not leaving us. They're being sent there. And that's a mind shift that we have to have. Right? What does that mean for Wapak Naz? I'm sure you're wondering. The mission remains the same. We are love people loving people to Jesus Christ. And we're going to continue to do so. Our teenagers... Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome back. Man, that's so great. Our teenagers will continue to be cared for. They'll continue to be loved. They'll continue to be prayed for, ministered to. And your leadership team will figure that out as well. But I'm going to put a plug in. Why not? You know what? We were standing here about a year and a half ago. Matthew was on the edge, and he was about ready to go to Syria, to the Middle East. You stepped up. You raised up. And all of those teenagers over there, 
they're here because of you. Because you impacted them. Because many of you stepped into places that were unknown to you. You started talking to them. You found out their names. You found out who they were. You gave them high fives. And you loved them. So I'm going to ask you. Today's the day. I'm asking this congregation to step out and do some ministry. Because we don't do ministry by ourselves. We do it together. Doesn't matter your age or your stage of life. There's some untapped potential over there that is begging for it to be unleashed. They need people in their life. If you would like to step into youth ministry, this is a great opportunity. With Chris leaving, there's some vacancy upstairs because she ministers once a month to our nursery kids. She does a phenomenal job. We don't just babysit up there. We speak life into them. We speak Jesus into them. We sing over them. We pray over them. We care over them as well as their parents. If you would like to be a part of any aspect of this ministry, let's do it together. So our mission's the same. I encourage you, lastly, if there are any gaps, you're curious, we have an unwritten rule of transparency here. Feel free. Ask me. Ask Matthew. I'd be glad, we'd be glad to share what's got, what God's doing. I'm excited for Matthew. And I think he's going to do a phenomenal job because he's loved you in many, many ways that I've been unable to. And I'm grateful for him. So, encourage unity. Discourage gossip. There are, there are nothing to be hidden. We're very transparent. And there'll definitely be some really good conversation on the 26th of what God's going to be doing and un- unleashing in Zanesville, as well as here in Wapak. So, would you please just... Love them, encourage them, send them cards. They may have an address, I don't know yet, but if they do, begin to just bless them throughout the next year and pray for them, pray for their ministry. Again, they're being sent. They're not leaving us. They're being sent. So we're partners in their ministry. We will continue to do that. So could you please stand? And I'm going to pray. Teens, you guys, come on down here. Yo, yo. Come on down. What's up, big man? Hey. Xander, you're part of this youth group. You're more than welcome to come down. Even though you didn't go to camp, it's okay. Come on down. Man. This is crazy. Uh... Nathan, where you at, bro? Hey, come here. Would you would you pray Would you pray for um, Matthew and Chris? Would you pray for your brothers and sisters right here? Would you pray for this church? Um, and please don't rip this out of my shirt. <laughs> you mind doing that? You good with that? Yeah. All right. Thanks, man.
Father, uh, we come before you today, and we're grateful that you've given us the opportunity to gather again in your name. And we are very excited and happy for Matthew and his family, but as Stephen said earlier, it is with a heavy heart that we send him out. So we ask that you surround him and his family with your blessing and your presence, yeah. and let them know that wherever they go, you go with them. Every single place they go. And I know that Matthew and his family will bless that church in Zanesville just as much, if not more, than they have here. And we're very grateful for all he and his family have done. He's had a great impact in this youth group and my life personally. And I thank you for all these great, this great big old band of hooligans that I call my family. <laughs> He's been a very positive influence on us, and I thank you for that. Yes, and he's also been a very, very dear friend to this entire congregation. Uh, yep. We're ever so thankful for our dear friend. And we pray that the time that we have with him will be sweet, and that as he goes away, it will still be sweet, but there will be this bitter sense. But. Help us to love him unconditionally as he has loved us. And as he goes out, help us to be cheerful about it and wait to cry until he leaves. <laughs> 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 continue to bless us and continue to tender our hearts to your spirit as we go from this place. And we just want to say thank you again, God. Amen. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. May you please love your neighbor as yourself. Go Bengals. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community, and to love people to Jesus.